Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, on another fine Chico afternoon. Not quite summer, but getting there. And we had a big heat wave last week, but it's getting a little more tolerable now. It's not too bad. Was a little windy the last day or two, but anyway, it's nice to be in Chico this time of year. Hope you're having a nice day. I'm in the heart of my tax season because this year I'm a little slower than usual, so I'm working a little more than usual. A few interesting jobs have popped up for some clients of mine that have kind of demanded a little extra time working on those, but I'm catching up my income taxes. And of course, every year I have quite a few extension returns. Uh, this year I have a few more just because of had a few personnel issues this year that slowed me down. Hopefully we'll be more back to normal probably in the next couple of weeks. The IRS, has anybody noticed the price of gasoline lately? The IRS always has a mileage rate that you're allowed to deduct for business mileage. Of course, you have to show that it's legally deductible business mileage. But once you've established that, you get a certain amount per mile as a deduction. Up until a, just a few days ago, that rate was 58 and a half cents, I believe. Something like that. My computer always does it. But now this year is an odd year. In the middle of the year, they have changed that and raised it to 62 and a half cents per mile. That includes the gas, the insurance, the depreciation, which is like the wear and tear of your vehicle. But, I mean, four cents a gallon. I mean, the gas portion of the 58 and a half cents was probably considered maybe 15 cents of it. I mean, if the average car gets 20 miles to the gallon and you used to pay $3 a gallon, that's 15 cents a mile. And that's kind of that's sort of the range that it's been in for the last few years. It's been somewhere between like 56 and 58 for a while. So honestly, the gas getting raised from, I'm saying 15 prior to this raise to 19 now, uh, four out of 15 is a little more than 25% increase in the gas cost. But let's be realistic. As far as I'm concerned, gas has doubled in the last six months. I'm not sure when it was still in the threes, but it wasn't that long ago, maybe four months. And now I notice the lowest gas price in Chico is like five eighty nine, which is virtually like six. I'm calling it six. I'm rounding it off. In my opinion, that means the IRS probably should have raised the 58 cent level up to about 73 cents. But of course they didn't. And, you know, they don't like to go back and forth too far and too wide. I mean, they want to gradually catch up and they don't want to have to back it down. A couple of years ago, they backed it down and then gas started going up again. So they're always a lagging, it's called a lagging indicator. They, they're behind the curve, but they... They try to help, but four cents a mile? Give me a break. Gas is double. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if it keeps climbing. It's already started to affect some people that I know. They've already come out and said, I'm just not going. We go and listen to music, and it's a bit of a drive to get there. And we do that a decent amount uh, fairly often. And now I do actually have friends that are just saying, I can't, I can't go as often. I got to be very more selective in where I go and how many times I go because I can't afford the gas. It's going to affect a lot of things. I was talking to the manager of the restaurant that I was at a show on Saturday and he said, yeah, it's been slow because people, people are not able to gas up their tank like they used to. It's interesting. There's lots of reasons for all this. Uh, the Russia-Ukraine thing is part of it, but these prices were climbing way before that. 
They just keep climbing and climbing. The government came out the other day with their annual inflation rate of 8.6%, which is the highest since 1981, which is right around the time I was out of college and started doing income tax work. And I do remember the inflation back then, but I, I know I never have seen it go up as fast as it has now. And I've got a couple articles to talk about on that also today. But just as far as taxes go, since I'm a local CPA and this is business buzz, I just thought I'd touch on real quickly. If you're deducting vehicle travel for business, you have a lot of options, but the main option is that vehicle, when you buy it, you either use the mileage rate or you actually use the actual expense method, which is adding up all of your actual repairs, gas, insurance, oil changes, and multiplying that by the business percentage. Uh, I won't get too complicated, and it's hard to describe in words without showing it on paper. The bottom line is, usually, unless you're very heavy into driving for work, like maybe a contractor who's constantly going from his home office to a bunch of different jobs every day, and if he buys an expensive truck and a heavy truck, they get treated a little better for depreciation. Those types usually end up wanting to use the actual method and they get a lot of tax savings. But for the average person who drives occasionally for work or maybe a, like a, a small business entrepreneur who's you know, driving around to the bank and to a few customers, it's so much easier to just keep track of your business miles and use the mileage rate. So much easier. So I, I usually recommend that. But no matter what type of business driving you do, you need to do that analysis when you're filing the tax return for a year where you purchased a new vehicle because you, at that point, you have to decide whether you're going to use actual or mileage rate. And usually it's pretty clear cut of which one's better overall. But sometimes it can end up being kind of a push and you can't really decide I try to lean towards the mileage rate unless it's a clear advantage. And the real clear advantage is if the vehicle, and this, you don't, uh, don't try to memorize this. I'm just kind of winging it today. The vehicle, if the vehicle weighs over 6,000 pounds, like a truck or an SUV, and uh, if it's a truck, it has to have a bed longer than six feet. You can't have the little short bed avalanche type trucks. But if it weighs over 6,000 pounds and has a long bed, you take the amount you paid for it times your business percentage and you get to write that all off in the first year, even if you, even if you buy it with a car loan. So if a contractor spends, eight, and this is easy to spend these days, if a contractor spends $80,000 on a new truck and it's heavy enough and it has a long bed, and let's say he uses it 90% business because he has a home office. So in other words, he doesn't commute from home to an office. He, his home is his office. Well, his office is in his home. He would get a deduction. If he were to buy that vehicle in December and use it 90% for business for the remainder of the year, he would get uh, $72,000 of a deduction in the first year. It would be a huge tax saver. Now, of course, the problem there is once you've written off 72000 of it, you have no more depreciation left. So the next few years, you're just using your actual gas, oil change, repair, insurance expenses times 90%. And that's not going to be super high because the depreciation factor got eaten up in the first year. So I don't want to get too complicated, but... It's just uh, important to know that if you're deducting vehicle expense for your business, you need to make a decision when you buy a vehicle, whether you're going to use actual expense or mileage rate. And today or the, the other day, the mileage rate jumped up to 62 and a half, the all-time high. But like I was ex explaining mathematically, it probably should have been bumped up to 73. But of course, 
it never goes, they don't listen to me. Unfortunately for, for everybody. But that, that's just the math I was doing in my head as far as the fact that gas is double. And gas is probably the most, you know, it's the key factor in everybody's automobile or truck expense is the gas. I'm not sure how the electric cars are working out. I know they're more expensive to buy. I'm not sure how much it costs to charge your car in electricity. Uh, if it's low, then I'm sure it's a lot cheaper than a, a tank of gas. So in that respect, if you're thinking about an electric car, you'd have to do, a, do an analysis of how many, how many miles you're going to drive it, how many of those are business miles, and how much you're saving per, per gallon you know, how many gallons are you saving and how much does it cost to charge it? And I'm sure the electric cars are a lot cheaper, but I don't have one myself and I just don't know how that, I don't know how much electricity. And those those stations they have where the Teslas pull up and plug in, uh, I guess you have to put a card in there. I, I do know a person who owns a Tesla, but he doesn't live in this area, so I never drive with him. So I'm not familiar with how that works, but I imagine you have to pop your credit card into the machine when you charge your car. For Unless maybe a brand new Tesla comes with a certain amount of free charges at their little station pumps. I really don't know. And I, I guess I, you know, I should find out because as if gas keeps climbing and climbing, the problem is as gas climbs, everything else is going to climb, including electricity and all your other utilities. Gas affects everything. It's going to affect, uh, well, you know, you've noticed that the food prices have been jumping. Anyway, I've got some articles relating to that too. But it's nice to be here at Business Buzz on a nice Chico afternoon. I hope you're having a nice afternoon and I appreciate you spending part of your time with me. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ann Ganser. She's the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Nonproliferation Policy at the Department of State. Her office works to maintain and promote peaceful nuclear cooperation, safety, and the physical protection of nuclear materials and facilities. 2 Timothy 4.18 reminds us of the safety God provides us. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear God, we ask you to guide Ann Ganser as she works toward strength and safety for our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. You might have claimed to be a follower of the Lord. You might really be one of His. But a lot of us have somehow lost the priority of worship along the way. Somehow something else took the place, the central place of our Lord Jesus in our hearts. David Hockey shares how to put Jesus back on the throne. This week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today, weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Here on a nice Chico afternoon, I'm glad you have a chance to spend part of your day with me. I try to be informative, entertaining, inquisitive. I just like to find some of my favorite articles and share them with everyone. My main goal on Business Buzz is to educate a little bit, but what I really like doing is pointing out alternative answers that people might not have been familiar with. If you know me from Business Buzz past, I've been reading and definitely reading the alternative to almost everything for, oh, call it 40 years. 
probably, yeah, 35 years of really doing it, especially since I moved back to Chico, which was in the late 80s. I'm very glad I did. I've had a chance to grow my business over the years. I've had a chance to raise raise a child in a in a nice town to to grow up in and it's been a real nice place to be. Very glad I found a way to get back here after I went to college here. I had been to Chico when I was a child driving through. I remember we used to take a lot of driving vacations and I remember I remember seeing Bidwell Mansion when I was small. Then an older cousin of mine went to Chico State in the probably in the late 60s when I was still like in grammar school and junior high. So every Christmas and Thanksgiving when we got together with our family, we would have the um, stories, everybody talking about things, and he would be talking about Chico State and all that. And then my best friend in high school was going to Chico. I don't know if I've told this story before, but I'll keep it short. I started at Cal State Hayward, which is near where I grew up. So before the semester started for Chico and Hayward, I helped my best friend move to Chico and I drove up with him and helped him get situated in the dorm. And I had so much fun that day meeting all of the people in the dorm and all that, that as soon as my first semester started at Cal State Hayward, I put in my paperwork to apply for a transfer as of the following fall. So I did spend my first year of college at Cal State Hayward, but the whole year all I was doing was waiting to transfer to Chico. And of course I was visiting Chico. I had a few few people I knew that came up here to Chico, including my best friend in high school. So I spent the whole first year just probably spending every second or third weekend driving up to Chico and enjoying my friend and all of his new friends and the the life in Whitney Hall. It was just a lot of fun. So I knew I wanted to be here. And that was the start of my college career. I graduated in the end of 79. And I went to the Bay Area at that point and worked. Well, first I worked for like a, it was like a bookkeeping accounting type company. It wasn't really a CPA firm. And that was in a town called Campbell, which is near San Jose. And that was fun because I had I had friends from Chico who had also graduated. And they lived in the San Jose area, the, the peninsula, the San Jose, that whole thing. And I was living in Hayward. Anyway, I had a, I had a lot of fun that first year after I graduated. I worked for that company. It was called SMS, Specialized Management Support. One thing I remember about my time at SMS, they got their first fax machine. It was like 1980. And I remember at the time it cost them $25,000. Now think about it, $25,000 in 1980. I'm not going to look it up, but I'm guessing that's at least the equivalent of $100,000 today. And that's how much it was worth it to them to get a fax machine where they could print pages from a sister office. They had offices, a few offices all over California. It was a strange little company, but it was a good job for me. When I needed a schedule, I needed a more flexible schedule when I was working at SMS because I decided I had a bug and I wanted to play music. And some of my friends from Chico State started a band, and I joined it, and I was in the South Bay. We never got big or successful. We played played a few bars. We played a few parties. It was a lot of fun. And then that morphed into a different band because a couple of the guys went one way, a couple of the guys went another way. I split off with a guy who joined up with some other guys, which morphed into a whole new band that was sort of an established East Bay band. And I was a bass player. I needed a flexible schedule. We were trying to play 
Actually, we're trying to, now I was, remember, I'm graduated from college, so I'm like 24 years old. I'm 23 or 24. The other guys in the band are like 22 and 19 and 20, so I'm the older one. And they needed to play high school lunch hours once every couple of weeks. My solution was I asked my father, who was a public accountant. I've discussed that before. He was a public accountant in Oakland. And I asked if I could work for him and if he could give me a few flexible hours when I needed them. And he said yes. I quit the SMS business uh, job. And I started to work for my dad. And he was nice enough to let me have some flexible hours. Uh, My parents weren't. They weren't really big on the music thing. They could see it wasn't going to go anywhere. So could I. But it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I did it. It was really fun just to, I just remember that feeling. The the feeling I had the very first practice that I had with these guys and setting up the amp and all the guitar, uh, the two guitars and the bass and the drums are going and had a singer. I wasn't the singer. I did a little bit of backup singing, but I wasn't really good. It was just that just that really great feeling when you feel like you're part of a musical thing going out to the people who are listening. And I remember that first practice with that second band I was in, and it was really fun. So that was an interesting stage in my life. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a good experience to be up on a stage no matter what the situation is. I mean, by no means... Was I, you know, going anywhere with it? The biggest show we did, uh, the drummer's the drummer's girlfriend was in a group of young people called the CBs that was like a Navy children's youth organization. That's all I know about it. I don't know the details. But she was in the CBs. They were having their big annual dance. And, of course... She was the girlfriend of our drummer, so they asked if we would do it, and we said yes. And it was this was probably about 1981. It was pretty cool because they paid us $500, and there was four of us. So, I mean, making $125 when you're a band that has never really done a whole lot, that was very exciting. And we played for their dance, and we played pretty much every song we knew. We played a few originals and mostly cover, you know, copy songs of other famous songs. But it sure was fun, and the interesting thing was the show itself was at a big, like a big gymnasium out on Treasure Island, which is that naval base right next to the Bay Bridge halfway to San Francisco. So that was really fun, so... I'm glad I did that, but accounting took over, and the rest is history. And so here I am, Harold Littlejohn CPA, sitting here on a lovely spring day in Chico, enjoying business buzz, and I'm glad you have a chance to enjoy part of the day with me too. I'll be right back after this break. Your dining room can be a place of gathering, love, and fellowship. On the next Focus on the Family, Bree McCoy encourages you to discover the power of a sit-down meal and opening your home to guests. From neighbors to the broken, you'll be inspired to reach out and invite people into your home. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Wednesday on Truth For Life, Alistair Begg looks at how an eternal perspective completely transforms the way we view the culture in which we live. We use the things of the world, but not as those engrossed by them. That is the change which Jesus makes. It's a whole new perspective Wednesday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg.
Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you have a chance to spend part of your busy day with me. I hope you're enjoying yourself. If you're retired, I hope you're hope you're doing okay with all these high gas and high food prices. I would say inflation's got to be the number one concern. I haven't read any polls lately, but I'm sure when they do one of those polls of what's your what's your number one concern. I'm sure the voters are going to say inflation. Uh, this six-something gas is really bad. I I do drive a Yukon that doesn't get great mileage. I don't take it everywhere, but it's a really nice, dependable car that fits everything. Whenever I need to uh, really load up a lot of stuff, the Yukon is a great, great vehicle. The problem is it's got like a 25-gallon gas tank. I don't know if there's limits on these credit cards, but it's costing me like close to 150 bucks when I fill it up, and that is really not fun. But I won't complain. I just hope, uh, I mean, I don't know how everybody's going to, I don't know how this is going to end. I see that diesel's about $7 here in California, and the diesel's what's really going to hurt things because trucks, trucks deliver everything. They They deliver the food, they deliver the goods, the trains use diesel to deliver everything. Airplane fuel's got to be sky high. I know I've been buying a few air, air tickets now and then, and yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing inexpensive anymore. It's just a whole nother world right now, and I just feel bad, I mean, for People who were hurting even before the inflation, now it's going to be even tougher. Um, I mean, everybody hurts when these things go up, but some people really can't afford this, and it's just not its not a good thing at all. So the interesting thing for me is, because I've always been interested, if you've, if you've listened to Business Buzz, you know I enjoy American history. My favorite course in law school is constitutional law and guess what today is does anybody remember flag day you know we have uh, memorial day and veterans day and they fly a lot of flags especially near the cemetery on those days i know paradise used to line the whole skyway for like a mile or two but flag day is june 14th nobody to my mind nobody even mentions it But I did look it up because I knew today was Flag Day, and I thought that was kind of cool. So I just printed out a quick little dealie. The History of the American Flag, a Timeline. See, 1775. As revolutionary fever starts to swelter, several iterations of a flag representing the independence and discontent of the colonists began to surface. The Continental Navy starts to fly a flag with a red striped background featuring a snake along with the inscription, Don't Tread on Me. This sentiment and symbol will later be associated with the United States Marine Corps. In New England, the Liberty Tree symbol becomes increasingly popular and appears on several flags. 
The green pine tree shape was used on board New England ships with the phrase, an appeal to heaven. While the flag for New England featured the Liberty Tree in the upper left corner, set bordered by red, white, and blue stripes. 1776, on the 1st of January, the Grand Union flag is shown on Prospect Hill and adopted as a symbol of the rebelling colonists. The flag, originally designed in 1775, features the British Union Jack in the upper left corner, surrounded by 13 white and red stripes symbolizing the 13 colonies. That's interesting. Five months later, Betsy Ross of Philadelphia seamstress sews what is remembered as the first American flag, featuring 13 white stars laid in a circle on a blue background, surrounded by 13 red and white stripes. Modern historians have called the validity of the Ross story into question, however. The story has become American folklore and is unlikely to be overruled in the public mind. And just by the way, across the street from my tax office is a new business. I can't remember. It's Backyards Solutions. Some I'm not sure what they're selling. It might be furniture or spas or something. But the interesting thing is the owner every morning uh, has a big, nice flagpole and he raises the flagpole, and at the top of the flagpole, he's actually flying one of those Betsy Ross 13-star flags, which I think is pretty cool. So I've been noticing that lately on Mangrove. If you drive by Mangrove uh, on the uh, west side of the street between 3rd and 1st, if you come during the daytime, you won't miss the 13-star flag that's flying, which I really enjoy. I've been seeing him hoist the flag every day lately. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. So, I mean, basically I've I'm I've printed this thing out, but basically the flag has stayed the same with the 13 red and white stripes, but the stars on the blue background are what change to make the 50. So, it's been going up and up and up. 14 were added in 1822 um you know, there's all these different additions to the stars, but it was interesting to read about the flag because I think the American flag is just pretty interesting. It's a pretty good looking flag. I won't get into any, I'm not going to get emotional about anything, but like I say, I've, constitutional law was my favorite subject and I'm very aware that Without our Constitution, we would be in a very different world right now. Uh, luckily, we have it. It's still in effect. And the thing to remember is, it's not, those aren't privileges, those are rights. And you're born with those rights, and they can't take those away. They try. They try all the time, but they can't. And... uh when I say they, I'm not going to get into who they are, uh, but they can't take them away. It's it's in the Constitution. They would love to, some of these people would love to shred the Constitution, but I don't think that's going to happen. So with business buzz, we got to talk about business in some respect, don't we? I talked about the music business, where one night I made $125, which is, that was a record for me. But, you know, honestly, I didn't work that hard at it. It was more of a socializing thing. Practice two or three nights a week. Try to play somewhere maybe every other weekend. Not really making any money. Just It was mainly a socializing thing, and like I say, just being on stage was just a real, it was just thrilling to, to do that, even though it was small, small audiences, no big deal, but it's just really fun to, you know, make music and be on a stage and just to do it, and it was really fun. So that was the business of music in, in my little world, which is very small. I've only had one client over the years who actually made a living with music. And this man was very, very successful. I met him when he was already older, but still making a lot of music, making a lot of money with it. And it was a lot of fun helping him. Uh, 
Uh, I wasn't really the right CPA for him. I, I don't help him these days, but, um, just a real interesting world of uh, entertainers. And all the, what was interesting was all the people he knew were the people I used to listen to. Of course, I had heard his music also. But anyway, uh, out of all my clients, out of all these years, I've only had one that actually made a living playing music. So it's, it's very rare, very hard to do. I'll be right back after the break. Don't go anywhere. This is Harold Littlejohn CPA on Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. Anti-critical race theory school board candidates won nearly every election in Texas's largest counties. This is a huge step, folks, in the right direction to reclaim public schools from dangerous ideologies being taught. Pacific Justice Institute's work extends beyond legal representation and advice. Through our pastor liaison program, we educate Christians on the importance of civic stewardship through efforts such as running for state, local, and school board elections to advocate for policies that protect parental rights and religious freedom. Download PJI's free resource, 12 Practical Ways to Civic Stewardship at PJI.org. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at PJI.org. Long-range missile reportedly fired this morning by Iran. 47,000 acres burned. The news lets you know what's going on in the world. But a few things you should know about most news outlets. They don't make money if they don't get good ratings. And they all know that bad news gets good ratings. A violent terror attack outside the So the more they inflate the bad news, the more gripping a story can seem. Turn off all that bad news and tune in here. We have a positive approach to life and always good news. Listen here. You found Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Enjoying a nice Chico afternoon. I hope you are too. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I'm going to talk about the business of food because it's going to be in the news. It kind of already is with all this inflation, but in addition to the fact that we have inflation... We have another scary, scary thought coming. Don't say I didn't warn you. And this is an article from the Gateway Pundit, which is one of my favorite news sites to check daily updates. And it's called, Here is the updated list of U.S.-based food manufacturing plants destroyed recently. And it says, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there are currently no nationwide food shortages in the country. There are, quote, there are currently no nationwide shortages of food, although in some cases the inventory of certain foods at your grocery store might be temporarily low before stores can restock, the agency said on their website. Food production and manufacturing are widely dispersed throughout the U.S., and there are currently no widespread disruptions reported in the supply chain. As the Gateway Pundit previously reported, at least 18 major fires have erupted at food industry facilities and plants over the past six months. All of the fires have been officially listed as accidental or inconclusive. Now this, a Gateway Pundit reader sent us an updated list of U.S.-based food manufacturing plants that were damaged from 2021 to 2022 under the Biden administration. These data were first published at Think Americana. Below is the list of Americans' 95 plants that have been destroyed, damaged, or impaired 
or impacted by accidental fires, disease, or general causes. And then it just lists them. And like number one, uh, January 11, 2021, a fire that destroyed 75,000 square foot processing plant at Fayetteville. April 30th, 21, a fire ignited inside the Smithfield Foods pork processing plant in Monmouth, Illinois. July 25th, 21, three alarm fire at Kellogg plant in Memphis. 170 emergency personnel responded to the call. July 30th, 2021, firefighters on Friday battled a large fire at Tyson's River Valley Ingredients Plant in Hansville, Alabama. August 23rd, 21, fire crews were called to the Paddock Meat Production Company on Ewing Road in Austell. I don't know what state that's in. September 13th, 21, a fire at the JBS Beef Plant in Grand Island, Nebraska on Sunday night forced a halt to slaughter and fabrication lines. October 13, 21, a five-along fire ripped through the Darigold Butter Production Plant in Caldwell, Idaho. September 15, 21, a woman is in custody following a fire at the Garrard County Food Pantry. 11, 29, 21, a fire broke out around 5.30 p.m. at the Made Right Steak Company Meat Processing Plant. December 13, 21, Westside Food Processing Plant in San Antonio left with smoke damage after a fire. Uh, I'm not going to read all 95 of these, but it's unbelievable. Here's one. uh, I'll just grab a few here. Um, a smolder, uh, uh, February 28, 22, a smoldering pile of sulfur quickly became a raging chemical fire at Nutrien Ag Solutions. Then there's all these hundreds of thousands of chickens destroyed at all these egg farms. Uh, March 16, 22, a fire at a Walmart warehouse distribution center has cast a large plume of smoke visible throughout Indianapolis. March 16, 22, Nestle food plant extensively damaged in fire and new production destroyed in Jonesboro, Arkansas. March 17, 2022, 5,347,500 chickens destroyed at an egg farm in Buena Vista, Iowa. So that's only number 33 in the list of 95 incidents. There's another one, April 13, fire destroys East Conway, Beef and Pork Meat Market in Conway, New Hampshire. Oh, here's a good one. April 13, 22. Plane crashes into Gem State Processing, Idaho Potato and Food Processing Plant. April 14, Taylor Farms Food Processing Plant burns down Salinas, California. I mean, if I was a gambling man, I would have to say that there is no way all of those fires and plane crashes are accidental. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. I don't really care what anybody thinks about it, but I'm just saying that the odds of those 95 incidents being accidental, you know, it probably would be in the one in the quintillion odds. It's just, there's no way. And I'm not going to say one way or the other what this all means, but I will say that that combined that combined with the fact that prices in the grocery store are probably about double what they were six months ago for most food items. I mean, you can still find certain things on sale. I do shop at Costco, and uh, I do know that there's a certain... There's a really good canned chicken breast that's very, it's a good quick lunch. I mean, for, you know, you take a can of that for lunch, it's like 200 calories. It fills you up. It's all protein, tastes good. Put some pepper on it. It's really good. Those six packs of cans for years were And now they're up to like seventeen ninety nine. I haven't bought any lately, but they're way up, way up. Probably almost almost doubling what they were. And uh, my problem with all this uh, inflation and high prices is, where's it going to end? Every day I drive by the same gas stations, and almost every day it's a seems to be about a dime dime higher per gallon. 
It just doesn't seem to be backing off at all. Not that I have a solution for all this. But I mean, obviously, if you take the average family and their gas bill has gone from 100 a month to 200 a month, that that's obvious that that $100 that would have been extra money in the in the old days is not available to to spend on groceries or traveling or vacations. It's just it's gone. It literally went up in smoke out of their exhaust the exhaust pipes of their car. So it's just it's not a good thing. I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully hopefully it might slow down, but why would it slow down? There's just no there's no logical reason for it to stop rising. So we just don't know. So the business of medicine. If you've listened to Business Buzz, you know you know the view I have of the medical establishment over the last two years. Very, very disappointed in the medical establishment. So this is another article from Gateway Pundit. It says, Miracle Drug Shows 100% Remission for All Cancer Patients in Drug Trial. Now the main thing about this, it's not a large trial, but it's very interesting. It says, A potentially new miracle cancer treatment resulted in remission for every patient enrolled in a clinical trial at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. 18 patients diagnosed with rectal cancer enrolled in that drug trial with GlaxoSmithKline abstaining from grueling treatments like chemotherapy. Incredible, all participants saw their tumors disappear, according to the trial results published Sunday in the New England Journal of Medicine. And this, this article's, I don't even know, it's a couple of weeks old. It appears to be the first cancer drug study conducted in which all subjects became fully cancer-free as a result. At the trial's conclusion, there were no signs of a remaining tumor when the patients were given physical exams, endoscopies, PET scans, and MRIs. None of the patients reported adverse reactions during the drug trial, which is rare in treatments of its type. According to the New York Times, about 20% of patients treated with checkpoint inhibitors, have some sort of adverse reaction. It says, I believe this is the first time this has happened in the history of cancer, said Dr. Luis A. Diaz, author of the trial's official report. Some medical experts warned that the trial was, was diminutive and the results would need to be replicated, but agreed that the treatment showed significant promise in beating cancer. So I thought that was really interesting. It just seems like the whole cancer world is just one giant money-making operation. I know some people these days, they do overcome their cancer more than they did 40 or 50 years ago, so I'm sure they're making progress. Some people don't, though. I've known, personally, I've known two people who've had a brain cancer that they both passed away in a pretty, pretty miserable, pretty miserable situation. I, I, I'm just hoping that like this one sounds great. If, if every person in the study had no side effects and the tumors were all gone, that to me, that's pretty amazing. Well, what would an addition of business buzz be without a talking a little bit about gold? So I'm just going to give you a quickie here. Uh, this is published at originally published at Gainesville coins. The guy's name is Jan Nieuwenhuis. He's like a Dutch guy. And the title, if you want to search it, is called Austrian Monetary Gold Transfer from London to Switzerland, planned in 2015, still hasn't arrived. It says, a plan conceived by the Austrian Central Bank in 2015 to move 50 tons of their monetary gold from London to Switzerland has not been realized seven years later. Here is an introduction to what could possibly have happened. Since 2007, the Austrian Central Bank owns a few kilograms short of 280 tons of gold. In a report released by the Austrian Court of Audits, 
from February 2015, it stated Austria was holding too much of its metal, 82%, in London at the Bank of England. The Court of Audits concluded that all contracts between Austrian Central Bank and its external depositories, but mainly the one in England, contained deficiencies and auditing measures were lacking. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. Well, to make a long story short, uh, they're trying to get 50 tons back. And uh, after seven years, it hasn't happened. So <laughs> I think we can safely assume that they're not going to get their gold. <laughs> that seems to be the common theme these days. Countries ask for their gold back from London or uh, London or uh, mainly London. That's 90% of the stories I've read. It's always London where they're stored. Turns out they don't really own it. So remember, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. Okay, don't forget the only real solution to this inflation is physical metal, silver, and gold. Silver's on huge sale today. They knocked it down again. Uh, don't hesitate to at least put some of your money into physical silver and gold so that when the uh, stuff hits the fan, you won't be left uh, holding a bag of paper money. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'll talk with you next week and have a great week.